Hello everybody, welcome back to the History Made Awesome Podcast. This is episode 8, and we're back again with Ben, Ben Taylor, to the world. Hello world. So uh, before we start, get into the news and all that good stuff, Ben, how has your week off been? How's everything going? <laughs> uh, everything's going okay. Um, school's starting to ramp up a little bit um, mm-hmm. in this next week. Mm-hmm. Other than that, everything's good. I have an interview to start working in a lab on Monday. Ooh, awesome. Um, so wait, have you finished your midterms or are you about to go into midterms right now? Um, I had two last week. I have one tomorrow mm-hmm. and then I have one next week. Mm-hmm. For myself, so they're pretty yeah. scattered. Yeah, that's good. For myself, I had, I kind of went through my, mid- my midterm week cause I had, um, I had a paper, I had two papers due on Monday. One of them was a five page and one of them was like a, um, like a, like a one and a half pager. But, you know, at this level, you have to be – they have still to be high-quality work. You can't just turn things in and hopefully get a good grade. Um, so that was fun, trying to balance that with um, with uh, trying to uh, read for research. Uh, I did not get a, big, a, lot, a, lot, a big, very big chance to do that um, over the weekend. And then I had for that – I have a seminar class, which for the seminar class, it's following uh, about 17th century – it's, I think it's like Europe, but it's really focused in Spain because that's where the professor, that's where she kind of focuses in. So like um, like identity and how do you identify people and like the different things that kind of go on with that type of thing, like social, um, things like that, like like witchcraft and like poverty and uh, rogues or like um, crime. Uh, so for that class, it was kind of interesting because like I was given like the text that I got, I probably put it on the when I podcast when I edit this video. But, like, the text I was given, it was, like, in regular English because this was printed, like, in the 1608, so 17th century, early 17th century. Um, but the text itself was very poor quality, which made it extremely hard to read. Um, so it took me a lot longer to actually produce the uh, the paper. It was more like analysis, like, a, like it, basically, like, what is the text ta- talking about? What answers does it give you? What questions do you have for it? And uh, go in-depth in to the under the surface and kind of pick out what you can get from it. And so um, it was actually kind of challenging because I had to deal with those things, but I prioritized and uh, grinded and got it. So uh, hopefully I get good grades on those things. But um, yeah, I think I'm kind of, I have one more essay. Not really an essay. It's more like a, like a, what's it called? An, an, an abstract. So it's like a, basically like mm. an overall idea of what your paper's going to be about. Um, I'm probably going to go to the her office hours for that class. It's a graduate student who's teaching that. She's, she's actually pretty cool for anthropology religion. Um, because I have no idea kind of like what's going on. I'm kind of like in like with myself because I'm doing about 17 years right now with research. I'm kind of like one thing at a time. Like I focus on one thing and I move on to the next thing. And it's kind of hard for me to kind of plan for the future. So I, I, I really had to get down on that. So I'm not like struggling at the last minute trying to get something done, which I did last time, which it actually went okay last time, uh, but I don't want to do it again if I don't have to, and just kind of get get some good workout early. Um, but yeah, so my my I'm I'm this is my last year here, and I've definitely got a hand of how to do things. I think one of the things I really did learn very well and um, is kind of use the professors as much as possible, like they're your best friends if anything, because um, they'll actually like help you out with. And I think I'm not saying with every professor, but I think at these universities at these institutions they're at the, they're the pretty much the best of what they want that at what they do and they really really want to help students succeed uh, but you have to really put the work in to succeed um, like for today for example um that for that seminar class we have to do like an annotated bibliography um 
for anyone who doesn't know what annotated bibliography is, basically it's like you find your sources and basically for each source that you have, either be a book or an article, you write kind of like what's the basic idea of the article and then or the book. And then um like what's the like what's the summation of it? Or no, what's the summation, but like how can it help you with your research? Um so that's kinda of what I have to do with like five sources. So I was kinda of looking through my like looking for sources and I really didn't know like what other sources I should use. So I basically so it's funny because I was in the library. I was like, okay, I checked her office hours. It had like her office hours ended like at twelve today. This is Wednesday. And um like so it was like eleven forty no no it was like eleven forty five when I checked. I was like, I don't know, should I? I'm just like, you know what? I'm gonna try to get get if you know, try to get as much help as I can get. So I literally sprinted from <laughs> I sprinted from the library to uh, the social science building, which is um, locally known as the Death Star, um, in under eight minutes, so that's a new record for me. <laughs> uh, no, so no, it was good. I got the help I wanted, and I mean, yeah. So for anybody out there, like, just use them. Like, it might seem weird at first, but like, you know, the people, those people want to help you. So that's the one, the one thing I kind of did today. And um, so no, my, I'm getting very used to it. It's now for me right now. It's kind of like. Like, I feel like I'm at the point where, like, I don't know if I actually put enough work in or if I do more work than I should. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, like I'm, like, at that point where it's just, like, okay, could I have worked – could I have done more work or read more books or anything like that? So, right myself, I'm trying to push push myself as much as I can to try to get as much as I can done. So, I'm always, like, in that, that state of, like, okay, how much time should I allocate for that or anything like that? So, it's kind of interesting how I'm doing that. So, that was kind of my thing I learned last week is maybe I should put a little bit of work in and – um yeah, uh, and Halloween. Oh, we can just. I guess we can talk about this at the end. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like how it was going on with me, um, for now. Uh, so I think we should probably just jump into the the news segment of the of the podcast, which everyone loves. <laughs> uh, uh, where do you want to start? <laughs> I guess we can start with something like more important, more recently. Um, so as everyone should know, yesterday, um, I don't know what local time was in New York, lower Man- I think it was Manhattan. I don't know what lower upper. Um, but lower. it was lower man. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, a man in a truck, uh, I think it was like right when school got out, he, uh, drove, was driving a truck and he went into the bicycle lane and tried to run over a bunch of people and also had handguns with him and would shoot out of his car. Um, and then he was end up sh- being shot by police. He was not killed. He was, uh, wounded. He ended up killing mm. eight people. I believe like four of them were Argentinians. Two yeah, were, surprisingly large yeah. amount of people were from Argentina. <laughs> yeah, and then I think two were from like Belgium, and then I think two were Americans. I think, mm. uh, I, if my math's correct, I think that's what it is. Um, so that was like the first major terrorist attack in New York City since nine uh, eleven. Um, and yeah, there's just a couple things on that. So there's two kind of like results of that. One of those, one of them being is that uh, supposedly. I don't know who the current mayor of New York is. It De Blasio, I think. Yeah. Um. He well, he praised the fact that New York had um, uh, was it called a, was it called like limited gun ownership laws? I guess you can say, um, uh, because it, uh, he was basically saying that if because of their gun laws, the assailant could not get um like automatic weapons or like uh or mm-hmm. long long rifles, and then on the other note, um. Trump has said that he would like to put a stop to what's called the green card lottery, uh, which is how the assailant uh, from Uzbekistan uh, came into the country. 
Um, so there, we'll, we can talk, we can kind of talk on that a little. It bit. looked like it said supposedly. It it didn't look like that had been confirmed by. Okay. Anyone necessarily? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So I mean, there's, but it's it's that thing that's still in there. Um, but he did come from Uzbekistan. I think he came in 2010. Yeah. He yeah. was in Florida, and then he moved to New Jersey. Um, and supposedly he had been planning it for a decent amount of time. At least this is what he told uh. FBI agents when he was at the hospital. Yeah. Um. I think they. I don't know if they found ISIS related links or. Yeah. It was on his video or on his phone. On his um, phone. Okay. Yeah. And, they had. There were several. There were like ninety videos. Holy crap. Just yeah. on his phone. And he pretty. Much, I think they said that uh, that he'd followed it pretty much to the T, kind of like the instructions, which is pretty, which is pretty crazy. So um, I guess we can get into like the domestic stuff and we can kind of go from there. So I think the one of the interesting th- things that are come out of this is this uh, green card lottery. Mm-hmm. And essentially what it is is that uh, basically it's like allocated to certain like regions like Africa. Excuse me, Africa. Well, it, there's just a couple of countries that aren't allowed to do it. It's actually worldwide. Yeah, so it's um, I think it's China, Canada, England. Mexico and... I think that's it. I think just those four. Yeah, and China. Did I say China already? I think you said China. Okay. Um, so basically, um, but I think when they looked at, like, um, they showed, like, a, I know on the BBC, I can, I'll try to put these articles on the description of the video, but mm-hmm. on the BBC, they kind of showed, like, a graph of where most, a lot of people come from, and they, and they showed, like, at least 50% come from Africa, and uh, it's all spread out between Asia, um, Latin America. I think Latin America is, like, the lowest, or maybe in the, in Europe, I think. Um, so basically what it is, is that it's pretty much for you to get into the program. You have to be, um, you have to have graduated high school mm-hmm. and well, what was the other things? Oh, you cannot be a criminal. Um, and then you pretty much, uh, put your application into the, into the, the pool of applicants and you get chosen hopefully. And, um, I honestly provide this little small story. So I, I keep talking about this class, which was, I don't know why, like, like all of the classes that I took for anthropology, maybe some for history, like has like all like the like the like the theories and everything like that's kind of spread out, which is pretty cool. But when I was taking anthropology of migration, um, we I don't know sure if we did a reading on it, but it was like connected to this. So we followed a it was a it was an audio like audio like documentary kind of thing where the it was a BBC correspondent who was talking to a man in. Or was it? I think it was in Kenya. Well, let's look at my globe. Yeah, Kenya. I believe it was. Uh, Kenya. <laughs> I think it was, uh, Ken- it was Kenya or um, Ethiopia. I think it was Kenya, though. I'll, I'll, I'll okay. if I find it. But, but whatever happened. So basically, it was a BBC uh, correspondent talking to this guy in Kenya, or Ethiopia. Um, he was the guy was from Somalia and he immigrated. I think it was Kenya. He was he pretty much left. Kenya illegally. He left Somalia illegally, and he was in Kenya illegally. And so it was at that time where you had a lot of uh, terrorists in Somalia. And what was happening is that you had a, like a lot of terrorists going into Kenya and actually blowing things up, um, like suicide bombers and all that good, all that stuff. And at the same time, the Kenyan government decided to round up a lot of all these illegal um, Somalis, and um, you pretty much send them back to Somalia, essentially. And uh, so basically what the article what the article is about is about this guy who actually enters the 
the green card lottery and kind of like the trials and tribulations of it. But like, um, so just kind of make the story kind of story. So basically like, uh, the, government, the Kenyan government is pretty much just rounding people up randomly. And of course, um, him and I think his brother are living in Kenya and they're like hella scared. Like they might be sent back to pretty much death. Um, so the guy enters, uh, he enters um, the, the green car prom, but he has to go through a bunch of things. He, has, he even has to go to like the Kenyan like police government, police police station, like the central one, like in the capital. Mm-hmm. And so that was pretty like, of course, like he's legal and he's going to the place where the, they're pretty much around like the, the place where they're sending out people to go round up his people. So there's a bunch of trials and tribulations of that like that. And so he goes in to the U.S. Embassy, I believe, and turns his document or whatever. And so, you know, he's going through this, this, this huge, you know, suffering thing in his life, right? And um, on the off chance he can get in. And so, you know, all these things are going on. He puts his things in. He does his interview. And he doesn't get in because he forgets to write one little small thing in the document. Hmm. And, like, his, his, his entire world's just, like, shattered. Just, like... He put all the work in, all like the you know basically facing the de- deportation, and because he missed one little small thing, he didn't get in. Um, it's just because if you watch, if you listen to the the actual audio documentary, it's like damn, like that just sucks. Yeah. Like a lot, <laughs> and um, but interesting enough, how the story ended was like uh, the BBC correspondent called the actual migration people or in the embassy. And uh, they actually they eventually let the guy in, so that was that was cool, and it actually had 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 a very um, happy ending. Um, so there's a couple of things with it. What they want to do is they want to go to more of a point based system. This is now Trump, who wants to go to a more voice a point based system, and I believe the Republicans in the Senate or in the House, I don't know which, are actually trying to put a law through where it's kind of similar to that. And this point-based system is used in a bunch of other countries. It's used in Canada. It's used in Australia. It's used in the UK. And so the way it works is that, like, if you are, like, have a high, like, a PhD, you get, like, a higher amount of points. Like, if you have, like, if you're, like, a, if you have a certain set of skills, um, then you also get more points. It's basically, like, on that point system, like, the more worth you are to the state, the more points you get, the higher more points you have, the more chances you're going to get into, um the country and i was kind of looking through it and they're just kind of like the the article i was looking through kind of like comparing it like this is how everything works but they never talked about like is it like good or is it bad just kind of doing the numbers i guess it comes from more like a moral standpoint at, at this point when it comes to these types of things um what's your kind of take on that ben is it do you think this um this what's it called this Lottery thing is something that's positive. Maybe we should probably keep to allow the guy I was talking about right now in, or should we go to more of a point-based system where it's like we emphasize qualities like that? What, what, what's your, what would you say on that? You know, that's honestly kind of a hard thing. Um, I feel like I'd have to do a lot of research to <laughs> decide which I think is better. But I mean, you know, on one hand, it's like okay, sure, you kind of want to have the best possible people into the to come into the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's always great to steal resources from other countries, and that's basically what happens when you get, yeah. you know, brain drain out of another country. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the same time, a lot of people, when they're growing up, you know, they don't have the opportunities to get 
the things that would give them the points. I think that's kind of the point of lottery system is it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, you meet the bare minimum. Um, and then we're just gonna leave it up to chance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel like maybe, dang, that's really hard. I'm honestly not sure. (laughs) I think that's almost kind of want a little bit of both. Yeah. Where it'd be great to be like, okay, you know, we want, you know, some of the best that we can get here. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we want to give everyone a chance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's hard. <laughs> um, I know what he's trying to do. I think he's basically what Trump is trying to do. Is I mean, it's a fair argument to a certain extent where, you know, if you go to a large system, there's more chances you might get bad eggs in a sense. But I feel like how many how many times you get that bad egg? And even then, you even have to do like a you have to do an interview with a person before you even get to the program. Like, they don't just like, like, oh, okay, number one is going to get it, number two is going to get it. Like, you have to be interviewed, and hopefully the interview or interviewee, or no, inter- person doing the interview is basically saying, okay, this person's good to be put in the program to mm-hmm. be selected. And not many people get selected at all. Um, so, I don't know. I feel like if you do it in this way, I feel like you'll be hurting more people than you actually be helping, maybe. Because that usually what happens when you do these types of things. But also, you mean the lottery system? The, or lot, the... the if you say okay, the lottery system is bad because it allows more bad people in. I don't really know how you would even quantify that information. Oh uh, yeah, I think that's just a stupid reason. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's I mean it makes sense because Trump's like saying, well, we want people who are gonna. I think in his speech after in the White House, he basically said, yeah, we want more people who are gonna be good people for our country or something like that, something to that degree. And I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean. I mean. So it's like, you know, if you're doing the point system, who's going to get in? Mm-hmm. A lot of rich people are going to get in because they can just afford the things that will get them points. Yes. Um, and I mean, just because you're educated doesn't mean you're a good person. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of education to make a bomb. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's mm-hmm. if it's completely random, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I don't, I, like, I could see there being an argument against the against the lottery but if that's the person's main argument and then that's a terrible argument yeah <laughs> you and find a better one <laughs> and i don't know how would you how we really i would really like to see like like the quantify like how would you even judge like which system was better for like makes a country more economically stronger or anything like that like off the point system or not you probably have to like track you probably have to like i think the way you would have to do it is probably Take the people who've come through the lottery system, maybe choose like 10 or something, and then look at people who've come through like the point-based system and just choose it randomly who's chosen or whatever, and then see like what the, what's the changes or not. I would think that would be the only way, but even then, it, I think that'd be kind of a very monumental task to, to partake in, don't you think? Yeah, no, that'd be too hard of a thing to study. Um... Unless you can open up multiple alternate universes <laughs> and run them through a couple hundred years of each program. Yeah. It's like you can't just be like, we're going to switch to that program for five years and see what happens. Like, that's just a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, there's too many other factors, first of all. It would be impossible to have a good, you know, actual sound experiment. And then it's, I mean, you know, <laughs> this is definitely one of those things you have to think about on a theoretical level and kind of decide which one you think is best mm-hmm. from there. Mm-hmm. yeah so um so yeah i think that's my my pin a, a point on it is where you're i think more people are going to get left you know get the short end of the stick when it comes to these things um 
if you do do that way. But I don't know. It's it's a pretty decent argument to make. I like to see what kind of goes on there and like. But they're saying that with the law itself, this um, point-based system is going through the U.S. Uh, Congress. Um, they're saying that that's going to be a very upward battle because a lot of Democrats and some Republicans are going to be against this point-based system. Um, mm. So I don't know. I don't think we're going to see. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a long time from now. We're not gonna see it for a long time. But I would be really interested to see like where it goes, and if you can even quantify the type of experiment, that would be that would be really interesting to see. Um, and then also on the same note in terms of U.S. politics, U.S. Um, we have a, the first charges came from the uh, Russia probe investigation by Rob Buller. Uh, we have Paul Manafort, who which was the former chair of uh, Trump's uh, campaign, right? And we mm-hmm. had uh, what's his name? Papa Papadopoulos. <laughs> Papadopoulos. <laughs> Papadopoulos, who I believe he was the he was the former advisor on foreign policy, I believe, right? Uh, yeah, for a specific country, if I recall, or like a specific region of the world. Yeah. But yeah, um, he was one of the foreign foreign advisors. Foreign advisors, and so what happened is pretty much Papadopoulos. He was already charged, um, like in I think, like earlier this year right it's been he's been uh, under fbi custody for a long time i believe uh manafort he was charged with um basically not telling the feds that he was working with ukraine and getting money from them mm-hmm. that's what he got charged with so on that on that front like that's not really connected to the trump campaign in any sense which is true um it's just more like him being an idiot on himself <laughs> <laughs> um but the public thing is really interesting because he was connected to the campaign and he was found, or he testified, not testified, he basically said that he was actually, actively working with Russian agents trying to get dirt on Hillary. That's if I'm correct. Yeah. And so that makes it a little bit more interesting on the Trump front where, you know, how deep does this conspiracy go in a sense? Um, that's yeah, kind- it looks like it kind of goes all the way, too. I mean, that's the thing is it's like <laughs> it it keeps happening where every single person's like, oh, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't do anything. And then it's like, well, we have a very significant proof that you did. Mm-hmm. And then there's either the Papadopoulos right of, oh, well, yeah, you're right, I did. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go ahead and like give in and get you information on someone higher up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they panic. <laughs> so I don't know. It's, it's getting really interesting. It's getting very close. Um, I, it's really hard to make a judgment. I mean, we've already talked about this a bunch of times. We just have to kind of see where it goes, but right now it's not looking too good. If it digs deeper and deeper, it's, it gets worse and worse. Definitely. Um, so it'd be really interesting. I don't know. At this point I'm finding it like, okay, like how uh, I'm, I'm thinking it might, cause we talked about this last time. I think it might go the way, the route of the, um, Iran Contra idea where it's just like, I didn't know that they were doing it thing, which is a valid argument, but I don't know how they would. I don't know if it would work in the same way because this is a different, very different climate with a very different president. Yeah. Um, especially one that's not as a good talker as um, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Trump, like, there's been multiple articles I've read where it's like, it seems like, or it seems quite apparent that he doesn't think that his things that he said in the past should matter. <laughs> It's like he it's not even like, oh, no, I didn't say that. It's oh, who cares? I said that like a week ago. Yeah. Why does that matter? Exactly. What? So oh. so I think that might be the only difference if it comes down to that is I think Reagan understood where he was at and he he understood like the way in which he can kind of get out of the situation. Um, I don't know if I don't think Trump has that type of like 
I, way of doing things. Um, but uh, no, it'll be really interesting to see where that goes. It, so hope, well, I don't know. I hope, hopefully things go well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so that was really interesting on that front. So yeah, I think we should probably switch over to the world news because um, anything else locally that you would want to bring up that you saw? Nah. No. Um, yeah, go for it. Not that I can think of. Um, I don't know. I read so many articles every week. I don't really... I think, oh, I, I think, should start saving them or something. Yeah. One interesting thing... Well, I don't know if this is still going on, but it was kind of interesting where um, it was with the Puerto Rico thing. Uh, pretty mm. much... It was the... Uh, it was the deal on... I forgot it was like white shockers, white something. Um, it was basically the government had given like a $300 million um, contract to a newly developed company that only had like three people in their company when they started in Montana, I believe. It's like white something. Um, do you remember the story? Um, sorry, can you say that again? Uh, the Puerto Rico... Uh, the the what was it called the contract to went to, that went to the electrical company. Oh yes 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 okay um. What was the thing? No I don't, I don't remember it was like, like white, white bear or something. I think it was white bear. We can put it on later. But I think everyone knows kind of knows what we're talking about. Um the interesting on that note I think this was a little bit recently I'm not sure how it's gone along from that, but so pretty much a lot of people were saying like because I guess Trump knew some of the donors. White fish. <laughs> there we go. Uh, I guess Trump knew some of the people um in that thing and they're actually donors. The owners of that company so there's a little bit like well did he do it like because they're friends or anything like that which is very sketchy even though like you had three people in there and of course the trump government was saying that we had nothing to do with the uh with the deal that was put through yeah. so in response to that um puerto rico's governor actually denied or they didn't deny but they said we don't want 300 million dollars put back we don't want them here essentially so we're like pushing away 300 million dollars to rebuild our country well, no. I mean, it was right. we don't want that three hundred million dollars going to that company. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't like, oh, if this company works for you, then you'll get money. It was like, hey, we're giving this company money to come work for you, mm-hmm. and they went, no, we want a different company. So the company got a few million dollars, but they're not going to get all of it. But they're still going to put. Um, they're still going to put like the power back on, right? Turn the lights back on, or is it kind of like um, kind of half? No, they're gonna anything that they've already started, mm-hmm. which isn't a lot. They're gonna yeah. finish. Yeah, but they're not gonna they're not gonna finish the entire country. Okay, so I I find that one extremely interesting because you have this. I mean, it's it's that, it's that that thing. Do you think it's t- at that time? Do you think it's cool to play politics at that point? Because you know your country's out of power, your people are suffering. I'm not sure if the the company was going to do the job that they were supposed to do because it seemed like they were actually starting to do work. Um, okay, so the thing with that is the when the company was hired, mm-hmm. they had two full-time employees. Yes, yes. Literally only two people. Yes. Um, then they hired a few hundred more, mm-hmm. and it's like, um, why were they selected in the first place? I agree with that point. I totally agree. Like <laughs> that, That's kind of sketch, right? But yeah. like it's at the point where like okay so what if what if this politicking goes on for a long time the power doesn't get turned on, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, I mean that's the kind of thing of like do you like you're in a bad position? Yeah. Do you give up, mm-hmm. or do you fight for your country? I mean, what exactly do you do? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm what's it called? I don't know if you if you heard the podcast um, yesterday, you kind of kind of know where my family kind of stands on those types of things. Um, my father, he's a very, like, what's the word I use? Like, um, try to use a positive word if I can. 
like <laughs> he's very realist in terms of okay. like like he he thinks more of like the bigger picture i guess in a sense mm-hmm. where like you know it's more about like taking care of yourself before you then go fight for your rights or whatever um so i don't know it's it's that a little interesting thing so i'm really interested to see kind of like where it goes and like how does that um develop but i, f- I found that extremely interesting like and how that kind of went um so that's kind of the last thing I have on the domestic front. Yeah. Um, anything else interesting? I'm trying to think right now. Domestic? Uh, I could flip through the news real quick. Uh, um, there was another shooting a couple minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this is a few hours ago. Wait, was it a live mass, <laughs> mass shooting or no? Mm, a couple people died. Oh. That, I mean, it still sucks. It, still it was in sucks. Colorado. Huh. Um, God, I feel so. Oh man, that you know about that truck thing. The it was a Home Depot truck. They clearly just like rented this Home Depot truck to use. Yeah, it does suck. <laughs> um, no, nah, I don't really see anything recent. Yeah, and, and then on that, I think on that terrorist thing, I'm not sure if you limit. I don't think. Oh, well, the JFK files were released recently. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I remember that. Um, from what I got from it was nothing really big came out of it. It was kind of like... Not that I've seen, no. Yeah, it was more like, okay, we got a little more, like, interesting items. It wasn't the biggest thing, like, they kind of knew that, um, Oswald was kind of a... Oh, no, I think the biggest thing I found was that, um, the idea when they were tracking Oswald when he went to Mexico before he came back, like, he was trying to contact the, uh, I think the FBI were following him or something like that, and... Mm. Oswald was basically trying to talk to the Russian, like, ambassador or something like that, or in the Kremlin. I don't know which person, but, like, he was trying to call them. And the Russian guys are like, we don't we don't speak Russian or something like that. And okay. the, and, the, and Oswald's like, yes, like, I need you guys to speak Russian. Or, like, he was trying to, like, get a deal with them or something like that. But I guess it wasn't working. Um, so I think what they did say is that he was not a Russian agent. Or not. But what I remember is, like, nothing really changed. Like, nothing groundbreaking. Okay. Um, yeah, basically. It's kind of what I've seen, too. It's just, like, yeah, mostly stuff we knew. Um, there are a few more confirmed things of what the CIA was planning. Mm-hmm. They were going to attack Miami. and you No, know, that was one that was already known. Yeah, it was... There was just a lot of... It seemed like it was a lot of small stuff. I think the... Another thing that kind of made it, like, a little bit more, like, not that big thing was because the... A lot of, like, the FBI and CIA, they kind of um, asked the president to kind of keep things um, kind of blacked out still, like the more sensitive things. And I think they said they're going to keep it down for like six more months or something like that. Six, eight more um, months, I believe. Yeah, it was like, so, you know, this has been planned for a long time. Um, like the Congress decided that they wanted to release the JFK files after 25 years, about 25 years ago. <laughs> um but yeah, even then, they a couple months ago, they're like, okay, we're gonna start deciding, um, you know, like what things to redact and all that stuff. And they're like, okay, we want this redacted. And then Trump's like, uh, they're like, no, no, really, we we want this, we want this to be crossed out. He's like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> and so there was a lot of fighting where they're like, look, it's it's gonna happen in a few months. We kind of want it, you know, <laughs> we're trying to work with you here. <laughs> I find I find it's like I think we already know the government's pretty like the things that our government has done to other people in other countries is, is shitty. You know what I'm saying? 
yeah. It's like mainly well, South America. <laughs> yeah, in South America, exactly. Like especially what's happening. Oh, we remember the uh, the lecture we had. Yes, um, I do. Yeah, so especially like in Central America, Honduras, and all that stuff. Um, so we already kind of know it's shitty. So like, if you were to show us that something like that, like we, it wouldn't change our opinions of how shitty things we've done. Even yeah, recent- I guess it's kind of. I mean, it was like so there were already you know already knew about some of the things. It's basically just like a bunch of false flag stuff that the CIA was planning. Yeah. And it's like now we know more specifics, or even like a bunch of things that they were gonna try to do to kill um, Castro, mm-hmm. <laughs> all that fun stuff. And it's like we kind of already know about all this for a few years or for a number of years now. Mm-hmm. So it's like okay, here's a little bit more, but it's nothing groundbreaking. Yeah. So that's kind of my thing was just like. Eh. Just release it. it. Won't change our opinions of our government and how shitty we can be, even even though like we know we can like waterboard and like just terror torture people like without any rights. It's it's, it's all cool. Um, that was very sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very very sarcastic. Um, so yeah, that's all I have on the uh, on the domestic front. Let's move to international news. I've been following the Spanish thing for like a long time, and it's getting hilarious and more funny. For me, I mean, if you're in Spain, it's pretty shitty. For me, in the United States, it's pretty funny. Um, I don't know why, but I find it funny. Um, so what's happened? So pretty much what's kind of gone on is, uh, I believe right after they kind of the Catalan government, uh, Spanish said we're gonna declare independence, but we're not gonna say we're gonna declare independence. We're not gonna put it in law or whatever. Yeah. So then the Spanish government's like, okay, like you guys have like three days to either say you're gonna do independence or not do independence if you say you do independence then uh you're not going to be autonomous anymore and then when the days came up the spanish government said yeah. okay you guys are no longer autonomous and then this catalan government said now we're independent and then um pretty much the catalan government and the spanish government invoked article whatever it was like 20 something whatever basically that they can start to then do they can start to do local elections for new uh like representatives they took over the police force, um, and then of course each side had their own rallies for what they believed in. And the interesting thing that happened, I believe, it was today. This is November first. Uh, the leader, the former president, Carlos Puigdemont. I don't know that's probably not Puigdemont. My Spanish. Puigdemont. That sounds French, which seems weird. I Pugim. don't think you're supposed to pronounce the G. Pudimont. <laughs> I know, but like the M O N T is is weird for me. But Carlo, I'm gonna call him Carles. That's a weird name. I'm gonna call him Carls. Because even though that's not his name, his name is now Carls. Carls. Charlie. Char. His name's Charlie now. So good old Charlie. Um, he went to Belgium, which is where we believe that's where the E U is. I think. You mean yeah. like the headquarters of the EU? Uh, he said he went to Belgium. I don't know who he's talking to. He's talking to okay. somebody in Belgium. I think that's where the EU is. Correct me if I'm wrong. But um, um, the much... EU is the entirety of Europe for the no, most part. No, I'm saying part. The, the like the local the the headquarters. I mean. Okay, that's what I thought you meant. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, so he's in Belgium right now, talking about okay, like, can you guys help us out? Pretty much. And mm-hmm. then right now the Spanish government asked him to him he's with he's there he's in Belgium with a couple of his former ministers mm-hmm. and the cat and Spanish uh, government has basically said okay we need you to come back to Spain so you can face charges of 
They, fa- they face charges including sedition, misuse of public funds. Um, yeah. So basically, the Charlie, he said, well, <laughs> um, no, he will not be going. Uh, and he says, let me see if I can find the quote. Um, I think... Okay, he says uh, he was there for safety purposes and wanted to be able to speak freely. And he, I don't think he, I don't think he goes at the current point. At this current point, he thinks that um, he will not get like a fair trial, and wants like a, like a fair like discussion about things like that. And um, if there's a chance where the Spanish government can say that they can ask for like his arrest, pretty mm-hmm. much straight up for not coming to court. Um, I just find this extremely funny. Where it's kind of like one of those things like I'm, I have this big, big, huge idea, like oh my gosh, we're gonna like this, we have this awesome plan, right? And like it's gonna work, it's definitely gonna work. And it's just like the Spanish government's like, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what, really? You think this is gonna work? It's like we declared it, but it's like no, just like picks him up and like puts him in jail, <laughs> just like <laughs> like a timeout. You know, like that, like you know, like that type of that's the mm-hmm. image I have in my head <laughs> right now. It's just like uh, I don't know why, like, like it's like pretend like Charlie, Charlie's like a baby, and the Spanish government's like an adult, and like the the, the Charlie throws a fit, and like he just the Spanish just picks him up, like why are you being like a like you know what just puts him like in timeout. <laughs> that's the image I get in my head right now. Um, it's just so yeah, I don't know. I guess if you if you wanted the whole story, it'd be like he starts to throw a fit, and then they kick him in the face, <laughs> and then everyone else goes. <gasps> And then he starts actually throwing a fit, and everyone's like, uh, maybe, maybe he's okay. Maybe it's okay that he's doing that. And uh, who, who do I root for? <laughs> and the funniest thing is that um, he's like, bunch of people thought when he was in Belgium that he was seeking to seek asylum, and now I think he might try to seek asylum. I don't know. I just had this thought in my head that he just screwed everybody over, pretty much. I would not be surprised if that was the case. Um, but it should be interesting what he does. If he's gonna to come to court and face, you know, those these actions, or he's gonna to try to stand in some interesting way. But at this point, it's like it's done, bro. It's like it's not gonna work. Like, what are you trying to do? Like, pretty much, if you go talk to the EU, they said they're not gonna support you guys. This is a, they say they said this is a Spanish like like problem, and everyone yeah. else has said this is a Spanish. Even the United States has said this is a Spanish problem. Yeah, that's the thing. No one. It doesn't seem like anyone cares. Well, I, no, I mean, I think a lot of people care, but no one wants them to be independent. Exactly. <laughs> it's not economically sound mm-hmm. or really just stable in any way. Mm-hmm. So I found, I just found that entire, this is this entire thing just kind of hilarious for myself. And no, it's not, it's not hilarious. I just find like on a, like if, I, if I was <laughs> no, to, not really, <laughs> if I was to be like, uh, like a God and just like, don't care about anything. Why not? Well, never, never mind. I'll stop that. I'll stop where I'm going with that. Stop your God complex. <laughs> stop. I am God. <laughs> um, I and that was the only world thing I, the world thing I have. Um, so on, yeah. So, what's your opinion on that? On that thing, a jig? Uh, on the entire thing. Um, I mean, I still have the same kind of opinion where it's like, well, Spain fucked up a lot more than you know they did they they did things very differently than they should have um but in the long run it's probably better that you know 
I was kind of surprised actually. So there was an article that was saying, so you know, the day when they finally like declared independence, mm-hmm. there was like a huge party. <laughs> yeah. Like across all of Catalonia or well in Barcelona. Um and then like a couple days later there was a giant protest and it had like a few hundred thousand people. Mm-hmm. And and then there was like, you know, um the, uh there were still polls and things. And even the most recent polls, it was still about 50-50 of people wanting to stay versus wanting to go mm-hmm. where that's what it was before. And I thought for sure that after all the violent attacks that people would, you know, more people would want independence, but it, it didn't actually, it's almost exactly the same as before. Mm-hmm. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see what goes on and uh, see what happens. Um, Cause this is kind of a turning point for Spain where, you know, I think it was since, because, uh, uh, what was the guy's name? I think it was Franco. Yeah. Um, like, ever since he kind of basically said France, Spain's now a democracy, you know, they've been autonomous since then. And so this is kind of like the biggest shakeup politically since the uh, dictatorship ended. Um, mm. So we kind of just see kind of what happens. And it's kind of like that. Where, and they might be repeating history a bit, in a sense, or maybe not. Not sure, so... That'd be interesting to see. And the reason why everyone's like, I bet everyone's like, why is he, why do you talking about Spain? Like, who cares? <laughs> uh, reason, because I'm currently doing research on something similar. So that's why. And we'll keep talking about it. So like it or not, I'm just <laughs> get used to it. Um, and then I guess the last um, world history news, even though this is something so small, but it is historically, it's connected to history. Um, in Israel right now, uh, They've done, or not Israel. Well, it's the hundredth. Yeah, they it's the hundredth anniversary of the um, Battle of Berisha. I hope they can pronounce that right. Um, oh. Yeah. So what makes it kind of interesting is that um, it's so pretty much what they did is that they did a recreation of the actual charge that occurred there. And I can give you guys a little bit of history on it, but I just want to let you guys know what the event or what happened. Um, so pretty much it. Uh, so pretty much you had Israeli, you had Australian, New Zealand um, people take part in it, and they're doing a recreation of because the main reason why is because Israel kind of sees that as a turning point for like their their independence. Not their well, um, they signed the document. I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. Let's see if I can find the document that got them their independence, the Treaty of something. Um, Versailles. <laughs> oh, that's kind of close. It's uh. Um, so I'm gonna find it really quickly. But da 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 da. Oh, hey, hold on. The Balfour, oh, the Balfour Declaration. There we go. Mm. That that was one of the main. Well, that was one of the treaties that gave that basically said that we're gonna create a Jewish um, state in Israel and just kick all kick out all the Muslims who were there because you know they were they were there for like together. So we'll just kind of we'll just skip over that part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they've been doing that for the last like I don't know. 50 years, 60 years. <laughs> and so pretty much uh, you had about 100, well, not, well, yeah, actually 100 years ago. So basically they did a recreation of the battle. And so, again, the Jews uh, the Jews in uh, Israel believe that's when they got their independence. Well, the Palestinians believe that's when they regarded it as a betrayal. They're like They got betrayed by the, uh, the Triple Entente, I believe it was called. I think that's what the, the, uh, the allies were called. Um, so kind of a little bit of history on that. I have my book. Where's my book at? Uh, uh, I don't have my bookie. I had a 
Okay, never mind. I'll try to do it by memory. Um, so pretty much what the battle is about is you had a guy named Sir Arthur. Hold on. Let me get my book really quickly. Never mind. So, um, <laughs> so pretty much what happened is that 1917, um, the British have been in the Middle East since the beginning of the war, and they've they've not been able to pretty much push the Ottoman Empire out of the area. And so, I believe the general who was in charge in 1917 when the battle actually was Sir Arthur Albert or something like that. I can put it in the description who the guy was. Um, so pretty much with the battle, so pretty much he, the guy did like a bunch of like tactical awesome things with his cavalry. And what made this battle so significant was the fact it was kind of the last like cavalry charge until the introduction of modern weaponry. And so pretty much the guy, he did like a bunch of feints that tricked the enemy and allowed him to retake, um, Jerusalem and Damascus. Yeah. Uh, from it. And so, interesting enough, uh, it kind of was like the writing was on the wall in a sense, because it's 1917 and the Americans are now coming into the war, and so pretty much the British had more troops, they had actually better reconnaissance than the Ottomans, and so pretty much victory was going to occur anyways, but this guy who came into charge, he actually was on the Western Front before, but he screwed up miserably. He was actually one of the guys who led the charge on the Somme where... On the one day, pretty much, the British lost as many people as the U.S. lost in the Vietnam War. It was either the mm. first or two days, which I believe it was like 50,000 people. Something like that. Like in one or two days of combat. Wow. And so pretty much he got he got kicked out of that job very quickly. Sure. Um, <laughs> um, and then he was sent to the, uh, the uh, Palestine and so pretty mm-hmm. much allowed him. He was not like it was a little bit more like a flowing style of, com- style of combat. So the tactics that he was kind of taught in were actually could be useful. And when you have also have the resources to outfight your enemy as well, it makes it easier. Um, interesting enough, I was reading a book. This is a book I've re- I been reading since uh, summer. I want to halfway through it. I want to get done with it after uh, this quarter's over. It was called uh, Lawrence in Arabia. And so what I like about this book, mm-hmm. I don't have the author on me. Um, what is his name? But uh, the author does a very good job because instead of just looking at Lawrence as this this monolithic figure, he actually Scott Anderson. Thank you, Scott Anderson. Um, what he does is that he pretty much takes Lawrence as a part of this larger cast of characters from both the British side, um, people the Muslim Muslim rebels he was fighting fighting with, um, and also the Ottomans as well, and some Germans. And so pretty much what he wanted to show with this is that how this event around Lawrence kind of crafted the Middle East that we know today, specifically like the Sikhs Peacock Treaty that kind of split off Iraq into Iraq, Jordan and Syria into these different little countries and just basically said, okay, like we're going to draw these maps. We don't care who's there. We don't care who we put in power. He's going to draw these maps. And pretty much a lot, of, a lot of the problems that we have today um, kind of talk about like they, they kind of stem from that essentially from that from that treaty mm-hmm. um so the, the i haven't read it all but the author does a very good job of putting things together and so what i kind of get is the fact that like well one thing lawrence was doing a very good job and he had this interesting with lawrence is that he was kind of like he actually very was much into like the local religion and, and the local culture in the area um because one of the things is that he was very much like a loner type of guy um but he was also a little bit like a what was the word He's very different from his contemporaries. Like even when he was doing research on medieval castles in during the Crusades, 
during that time, a lot of times it was when you did history, it was like, okay, this guy wrote this book. I'm going to now do like a book review of that book and maybe do a couple of different things. So that was like the, the change. And the other big change is that he actually went to the Middle East, um, to the area that he was doing research in. And so it was funny enough that he actually, uh, he actually walked most of it. And uh, it was funny because uh, like there's, this is kind of going a little bit longer. I just want to make my point here. But mm-hmm. um, like a funny story for that was like, uh, they're going to tell you the, the, kind of, the kind of guy he was. Like, um, he was walking pretty much. And what happened is, is that, uh, like a local noble kind of saw him walking this bridge guy, like he wants to meet, meet him. So he kind of like, he invites him to dinner and they have a good fun chat. And so pretty much he escorts him with a bunch of, uh, cavalrymen to his next location. And, uh, the, so the cavalryman gave, um, offers Lawrence a horse and Lawrence is like, I'm cool guys. I can walk. And uh, the cover guy's like, what does he have against horses? <laughs> <laughs> so, and like, even when he was working on his archaeological digs, he even like would go to like the workers' homes, the people were the local people's homes. He would actually mm. know their names, know like the language, know the culture. So he's very much like a, like, he actually loved the local population or whatever. And so he actually used a lot of those things. And plus his like disdain for military hierarchy. He was, he was actually not in the military. Fine, another quick funny story on that was that he was actually a civilian contractor working in the uh, British, uh, the war, pretty much like the war officer commander, whatever, pretty much general staff. And um, the generals there don't like the fact they're being reported to by a, a civilian in civilian clothes. So one of the generals said, Okay, uh, go get some officer uniforms and I'll make you like a first lieutenant. And that's how he became an officer. And so Lawrence used a lot of those tasks to kind of, um, to help make his rebellion a lot better, to actually drain a lot of the Ottomans' uh, resources, um, you know, to the fact that they had to keep repairing railroads, to keep the fact that their patrols kept getting, you know, shot at, and so that's another reason that kind of helped the thing as well. So I kind of find it funny, or not funny, but interesting that like the Israelis kind of pointed this thing as like this one, like okay, this got this independence or whatever, but like it's kind of put them in that same predicament where they're now, you know, they're kind of surrounded by people who don't really like them. Mm-hmm. and also kind of like it's kind of like the people who the people who wanted their independence who wanted those things um didn't get that independence and gave the um the the jewish people their independence so it's kind of like that weird little switcheroo where it's just like we kind of helped you guys get your independence so why did you guys screw us over in the end kind of um so no that's mm-hmm. i wanted to, that this is history made awesome podcast so i wanted to do a little bit of history in it for the for the podcast so um, yeah. So that was kind of interesting. On that note, uh, anything? Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? My story or anything like that, or what's kind of going on there for yourself? Well, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't really know a lot about it, honestly. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not really. I'm not a history person, so it's hard for me to contribute to that necessarily. Uh, we talk about genetics. I could talk for a few hours, though. <laughs> yeah, but you, it's a very interesting story, though. Like how, like you can kind of view history and how like things you can kind of. Point, you can kind of track where things went wrong and hopefully you can yeah. maybe use that information to probably change how we do things in the future so it's it's fine when you if you look at the article you kind of like okay that's cool it's a battle that i guess it got i guess got them independence i guess but when you look at it like well it's a little bit more complicated than that it's like you know a lot of things took place for from they get in the for for the before for fourth for them to get their independence and you kind of see like there's the, Muslim, the local people there who were there for the Jews, like they're still getting screwed mm-hmm. over, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
So I don't know. It was kind of interesting for me. I want to imbue some history. So last thing, we're going to go into your territory, Ben. Science. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, right now, I, I have some of my own opinions on this, so I want to get your, your thoughts on this. So I, currently right now, uh, I knew another article on sleep. And so pretty much with this uh, – what this study did was that, or it was a study basically looked at how like how sleep affects your mood essentially. Mm-hmm. And so pretty much, I don't know what the how they did the actual experiment, but what their results was basically that if you get like less, very less sleep, and you get sleep deprived, you actually your mood is gets very bad. You start getting mm-hmm. more angry. You start have your brain starts having problems. And um, for they, I don't know what they were saying, but they said like this could happen, but doesn't happen in everybody. I believe that's what they said, right? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, they, they did a pretty small study um, this time around. There's been a lot of studies on sleep, though, and it they generally have a similar outcome where it's like, yep, if you don't sleep um, consistently, um, bad things start to happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, especially if you're, like, say you're prone to depression. Yeah. If you have inconsistent sleep. Um, you're much more likely to get depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is to the point that there are certain studies I've seen where it's like, hey, we're you know we're recruiting for whatever. But if you have a history of depression, you're not allowed to take part in this study because um, your sleep is going to be inconsistent. Here's my note. But like when people say how much sleep you can you should get, there's not like a real consensus on it, would you say? Or they say um, like eight hours is like perfect. Like you should get eight hours mm-hmm. of sleep. Um, the general consensus is when you're, um, a baby, you need, uh, a lot of sleep. Yeah. Like 16 or 18 hours. When you're a child, you need, um, 12 to 14 hours. Um, when you're in your teenager, late teens, you need around 10. Um, once you hit 20, once you're in adulthood, you need around eight. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get really old, you start needing less actually. Cause you can't, you're not really doing much, right? Um, eh, it's, I, I don't think if we really, I don't, I don't know what the actual answer is. I don't think we 100% know. We're still kind of trying to figure out what exactly sleep is for. It's like, okay, we know what happens during sleep, but is it necessarily the reason? We're not sure. (laughs) Supposedly in this article, it says that a few nights of bad sleep can really mess with our blood sugar control, encourages to overheat and even messes with our DNA. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Um, like I said, there we've studied a lot. We've done a lot of studies where it's like, okay, we found a, another negative effect, but we're still not 100% sure why it's happening necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I find, you know, I don't know what that thing. It's like, for myself, this is myself, guys. Like, this is how I do things. But, like, I usually, right now, so in school, I'm probably get, like, I get, like, five hours and like 30 minutes of sleep so about almost like six hours of sleep a night Mm -hmm. and then i pretty much make up my sleep on saturday so i get like maybe eight to nine (laughs) hours of sleep yeah and then on sundays it depends if i have to do things i'll get like seven hours or maybe six hours of sleep Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of with me and right now like i am okay and according to this study because i guess they had one guy who was kind of like me like i'm okay and they found like, okay, well, actually, no, you're a little bit more sadder than you than you yeah. were before. But it's just like, I what like, isn't that? I don't know. I find that how would you even judge that? Like, if you're okay, are you actually um, okay? I don't know. 
There's a lot of different metrics. I mean, that's the thing is if you're trying to do a study, um, you know, one of the first things you need to do is, okay, what am I measuring? <laughs> and if you're measuring self-reported stuff, so like if someone made a study and they're just like, Eric, how do you feel today? You're like, yeah, I feel pretty good. They're like, okay, we're going to make you cut down by one hour of sleep. And they keep, and then they ask you, they're like, how do you feel? You're like, yeah, I'm still okay. <laughs> that, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> That's yeah. a terrible metric. You're just like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> it's like, okay, gee, thanks. Yeah, we'll write that down. <laughs> um, but so some of the more specific studies, um, this one doesn't seem to have done that. <laughs> the more I look at it, actually, it's like they had like four. Eh. This one looks okay. Actually, it looks kind of bad. <laughs> There's a lot of better sleep studies out there. Um, they'll measure your chemical levels. They'll do like FE, um, fMRIs, you know, to look at, okay, like what chemicals in your brain, how are you doing? <laughs> like, are, do you have higher levels of stress hormones? Do you have higher levels of, or do you have lower levels of this one? You know, they, they look for actual measurable things. <laughs> um, and, you know, even then, it's not flawless. Um, but there's a lot of them, and since they all kind of have a general similar consensus of, yeah, if you don't sleep as much, you know, your mental state kind of deteriorates. <laughs> mm -hmm. When there's a big consensus like that, you kind of have to believe it <laughs> to some extent. Yeah, uh, I from right now, like I don't know what your sleep, like my sleep pattern is like. I'm, I'm okay. I've kind of come up with this. I don't know if this is a positive, like not. I mean, pause in terms of like bodily functions, I guess, or health wise. Mm -hmm. I kind of like, I got, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Don't complain. Just get it done type of thing. Like if I have to get six hours of sleep, I'm going to get six hours of sleep per night, like whatever to do to complete my tasks. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know. And even, even though in the, in the end of the article, it says, um, well, I guess Noble, Norbert Schwartz, who is a psychology university in Southern California has put a bigger figure mm -hmm. on any claims Making sixty thousand dollars more in annual income has less of an effect on your daily happiness than getting one extra hour of sleep a night. So sleep well. Is he basically saying that sleeping more is better than making more money? Is that the claim he's making? Uh, yeah, that's a really vague claim. Um, <laughs> there are studies where it's like once you make around seven, like happiness goes up with income until you hit around seventy-five thousand dollars, and then increase in happiness is almost completely negligible. Yeah. Um, like on, on average, mm -hmm. um, if you, if you spend it in a certain ways, your happiness can keep going up, but on average, so saying 60,000 more, I mean, like, let's say you make $10 a year, making $60,000 a year is going to make you significantly more happy and less stressed yeah. <laughs> than getting one hour of sleep. But if you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year, surprisingly, um, nearly doubling your income actually doesn't have that much of an impact. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of like contradictory to what you might, you know, imagine. <laughs> so making more um, money makes you less happy? Is that what you just said? Or uh, no, I, I'm saying it um it's there's something called um diminishing returns. Uh -huh. It's the concept of um, you know, so let's say you make ten thousand dollars a year. Yes. Um you're gonna be super stressed out. You're not gonna be able to afford anything. You're probably not gonna have a house. <laughs> yes. Um so okay, if you're making twenty thousand dollars a year from that ten thousand, you're gonna be much happier, much less stressed. Yes. If you ramp that up to a seventy thousand, mm -hmm. you're gonna be much much happier. Yes. Um, you'll easily be able to live, and you'll have enough to save and do extra stuff. Mm -hmm. But when you get it up to eighty, it's like uh, you're a little bit happier, and then you go to ninety, a hundred, it, it's almost exactly oh, the same. Oh, it's like there's no kind of point because you kind of like have enough to live on essentially. 
Yeah, it's like there's this point where more money stops doing anything for your happiness levels. I got you. And um, it's generally quoted at being around $75,000 a year, um, where it's like you'll be about the same amount of happiness with that as you would be with a few hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm -hmm. But then again, that all depends on the person and then the situation they're in and the family they're in. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's pretty consistent on that, though, actually. It's kind of surprising. Mm -hmm. Um. And then that's, I think, so that's why I'm like, his claim is kind of vague. <laughs> yeah. Um, but definitely, um, seriously, one hour a night actually makes a huge difference. Yeah, I feel it. I feel it definitely. I, <laughs> I feel it bigly. <laughs> um, yeah, like, that's my kind of sleeping pattern. Like, of course, you're trying to get that seven to eight hours of sleep. But, like, it's kind of like when you're in that modern world, like, you, you don't get that chance to sleep as much as you want to. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like, and I think that's when it comes to like prioritizing like your sleep over anything else. And what I mean by that is like, you know, mm -hmm. how most people like go and watch Netflix and then they fall asleep. Like that's a yeah. pretty shitty way to go to sleep. Like, cause now you're cutting into the sleep you can actually use to make it more beneficial for yourself. Yeah. And the funny thing that I found is that when you actively like put like a lot of work into the day, like you pretty much work from sundown, sun up, sun up to sundown. Like, by the end mm -hmm. of the day, you're dead tired. You're going to fall asleep, like, in two minutes. That's Like, for me, that's how... That's, like, I never have problems falling asleep anymore. Because I'm so tired when I end the day. Um, that's just my point of view. Like, when I... Like, I feel like people kind of do that thing where, like, I don't get that much sleep. But, like, what are you doing that, like... That's, like, hindering your sleep ability, right? Like, mm -hmm. I think people have opportunities to go to sleep earlier... But they decide to stay up and watch Netflix or something like that, right? And I think that if you just kind of do it that way, like you're you're gonna be able to complete a lot of things you want to complete, um, and mm. you're gonna get your sleep. You're gonna get as much sleep as you can get with the amount of stuff you have to do. And I think that just comes down to like prioritizing your sleep over. And I've kind of like I even for myself, like I kind of experienced that like last week. Like mm -hmm. I think it was on Tuesday. Like I was kind of getting, I was kind of lazy. I was like uh i'm just gonna like maybe watch a youtube video or just play some video games or something like that mm -hmm. and so and i also had to do stuff like for the youtube channel I also had to do stuff for homework as well and i ended up i did not end up sleeping until maybe 1 30 maybe like 1 20 mm -hmm. after doing those things and then i woke up like at six so i only got like four hours of sleep and i was just terrible it felt terrible at the, at the end of the day like absolutely terrible and i had to do stuff the next yeah. day too and i think that's when it comes down to the choices that you kind of make and we were kind of talking about this on the, on the last podcast with my dad it's about the choices you make and the things you have to prioritize like like yeah sleep is definitely gonna, like it's gonna like and they've, i think I've, i agree with you on this point where like sleep does definitely help you with if you have enough sleep you, it helps you with your memory helps you with like understanding things and like being on things you know what i'm saying yeah like, there's definite studies that show that if you have sleep you're gonna have all those benefits and so I think it's about, again, we come back to these things about choices, right? Like you, it's good to get sleep. It's a good, definitely really good to get sleep. You just have to prioritize your sleep when you, when you can, you know, you get all your stuff done, maybe take up one or two breaks and then you fall straight to sleep. I, I think sleeping is your break, like the ultimate break <laughs> in my, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, so when it comes to prioritizing, I think part of the point of the study is to show like, Hey, you know, maybe sleep might need to be a higher priority than you think. Yeah, for certain people, because I mean, I had a I had a friend who um, at one point in time he was getting four hours of sleep Ooh. every single night, and I'm Ooh. like, dude, dude, oh. no, Ooh. you need to not do this. Ooh. He was like, I'm fine, I can handle it. And it's like, yeah, uh, <laughs> nah. 
I don't know about that one, but yeah, I think, <laughs> and I think, yeah. I think what the study does show, which is kind of positive, is that like when it, when I was talking about the thing of like prioritizing, like you might think that playing video games will make you happy. Yeah, it'll make you like the instant gratification, but like it'll screw you up in the end. Like mm-hmm. if you sleep, not only will your body be like functioning well, but you'll also be a lot more happier since you got more sleep. I think that's what a positive thing about the study does. Which is, I mm-hmm. in my head, it's like, okay, that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have your sleep, you're happy, you're ready to face the day, and, like, you are, you feel negative because, like, you don't have the sleep and you're groggy and you're trying to, like, do things, but your body's not reacting to what you want it to do. And so you kind of get, like, this sucks kind of feeling. You know what I'm saying? So when, mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's the positive thing. You know, the, the physical and negative effects, yeah, maybe it depends. The, the right amount of sleep, it's not really known, but, like, the more so you get, it's you're gonna feel a lot better the day. So I agree with you on that point, where I think the study was meant to show that sleep again get a higher priority because it's gonna do really good things for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. That's all I have for the news. Anything you've figured out or anything like that? Um. No, not in particular. Um. Like I said, there's just so many things. <laughs> So many articles, so little time. You had to bring those up, bro. We had to bring those up to uh, the next podcast. Good I mean, there's just so many. <laughs> it's called it's called 24 hour news, the 24 hour news cycle. It's just like it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of insane. Um, um I guess yeah. actually, there's one little quick thing. Uh, I don't know if I want to talk about. Uh, I said I was gonna talk about a little bit on the podcast. I mean, on the okay. Um, I said this in the vlog, so I guess I'll kind of talk a bit a bit about it. Um, so I think like if you're like a senior, I mean, everyone has to make these choices, kind of like what you want to do. Um, and so for myself, I've kind of been planning out like what I want to do. And it was kind of interesting kind of going, uh, cause I'm in the murals program right now. And like for one of the assignments I have to kind of like, one of the assignments I had to do last week is like, look for six schools. Like, why would you, why would that, why do you want to do the program? Why would it be, you know, why would it help you? Um, and like, what would be the challenges you see in trying to do that program? And so it was kind of hard for me to like kind of choose a program because right now I'm kind of like in super school mood, and mm. um, and plus I'm not going to apply for like another year, so I'm like not really I have time to think, so it's kind of difficult. And so I was kind of going to my I went to my professor and like asked him like because he, he kind of knows like what what I do and like you know things of that nature and kind of what I like, and so we kind of talked about it and I and like the thing I kind of got from it was like. Um, I'm trying to do this one that's not super, super personal, but, mm-hmm. um, like the things I got from it was like, when you're choosing like what you want to do, like, well, one of the things is like, are you, can you get a job in that sector? And so for me, like, mm-hmm. I really enjoy like military history. Right. And okay. so what he was talking about was like, well, already trying to be a military history professor. Um, it's already extremely difficult because they only give like one or two jobs out in the world. He, he was not, he was not, what's it called? He literally meant the world. <laughs> I, very little people get into that job. And so for himself, he was, because he's a more of like a military history guy. Um, like for him, like when he went to go a bunch of these universities, supposedly to him, he felt that like a lot of people who got the military history job or whatever in that, in the department, one, a lot mm-hmm. of them had former military experience. And other, they were like, another one was like, they're more, more conservative. Um, 
And he, and he said, I guess, a lot of programs didn't like the fact that, like, this guy who was from Berkeley, who's speaking all those liberal, like, gibberish about military history was not really, really cool for them. So there's that, there was that instance. And so he, so that's one thing I think about was, like, can you get a job in that department? And plus, or even a professor in, in like, a university or community college, like, there's 200 people applying for, like, one to two jobs, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's extremely, extremely difficult to get a job in that, in that way. Um, so we kind of talked about it. And so, you know, I could either, he, the biggest thing he said, like, you know, do military history, military history, uh, degree, get a master's in that and maybe work for like the government, you know, like either on the security side or like on, uh, like a foreign, like a diplomat. And so, um, that's kind of like what he kind of told me. And then on this, on this note, my father, you know, of course, if you guys have the podcast, he's, we're very much a military family in a sense. Um, so my brother right now, he's doing, uh, he's, he's doing, he's going down that route in a sense. Um, so he, my dad's like, maybe you should join the military. And at this point in my life, I'm not, I'm really like, eh, I don't know. I'm not really into that idea right now. Um, I have a bunch of my own ideas of why. Um, but I think that's a really good idea, a way to do it because you're going to have that experience and you're going to have some things in military going to teach you that you're not going to get in your everyday mm-hmm. life. Um, but I, I definitely have time to make these changes if I want to do one way or the other. So, but I think it's kind of, I think that's when I got to go from is like, what do you really, really like to do? And can you get a job in that way? And, um, so that's kind of like the route I'm in is like, I, that's kind of the thing I was thinking about on Tuesday. Like, you know, what am I going to do for in the future and like how to do it? So that was kind of really interesting to kind of get that, that, that information from our professor. So that was really, really cool. Um, so I, I said, I said, I was gonna talk about this in the vlog, so I've talked about it now. Um, yeah, so no, I was, that was really good to get it, kind of get the information from him. So I got, a, I got a, I got a new little route to think of, which is really cool. Cause before I'm like, I don't really know what I want to do. Like I like doing this, but I don't know if that's a way to do it or what I can <laughs> do with it type of yeah. thing. And like, I don't know how, like I was looking at a bunch of these professors, like, okay. Um, funny enough, cause I still want to do like a Spain, I still want to do Peninsular War, I still want to do Napoleon, and so a bunch of these things I, I you know, my professor said, you know, this could be a way to do it, this could be a way to do it, um, so hopefully I find a way to do it, and uh, the biggest thing he said for me, like, I gotta get my French down, and my Spanish even better, um, so I can have that in my back pocket when I do apply in, the, in a year or two, so that's something I'm definitely doing right now with, uh, right now I'm doing Duolingo for Spanish, and I feel I'm actually getting better at Spanish, though. I'm almost at uh, 50%. Fluency, according to the Duolingo thing. Uh, so that's actually helping my language. So I'll probably use that for... Supposedly, I guess it's really good because you actually get, like, certified for it. Like, you actually can get, like... Oh? Yeah, that's what my dad said. Like, you can get... There's the, like, you something print out that says, like, oh, like, this person actually knows Spanish. Like, if you go to apply for a job and, you know, you need to know... You know you Spanish, can... but you can't prevent, pronounce the president's name of Catalonia. <laughs> I'm not good with Come names. Come on. I'm not good with names. I'm not, I'm not good with names in English, to be fair. Like, I remember I used to re- I used to referee soccer games... And like, I would just butcher uh, every little kid's name because you have to like read off their name to make sure that kid is oh actually like I was just uh, I never I, you need to take like just take a year off after you finish your degree <laughs> and just take etymology classes. <laughs> Learn how to speak in these ancient things the ancient and the way. contemporary ones as well. <laughs> but to be fair, though, like if I was to choose a job either when I because when you referee it, they like check the kids in. There was two jobs as a referee who either check the equipment you uh 
call the players' names or you write down their number. I don't know. I was shitty at both of those things. I think I could read names better than I can write, like, numbers on the sheet. Because <laughs> I'd be like, they would say, like, okay, like, it's Bobby Jones or whatever. And, like, I have to, mm-hmm. like, look for the number. I look, I have to look for Jones and I have to write the number because sometimes it, they don't put the numbers in. <laughs> Bobby which... Jones. <laughs> yeah. Is Bobby Jones here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, I was like, oh, goodness. Good times, good times. Uh, then getting yelled at by parents was super fun. <laughs> I bet. Oh, yes. oh man, I have one. I have one professor right now who cannot pronounce people's names, and is just like, "I'm sorry, I'm not gonna be able to pronounce this." <laughs> and you know, most professors say that, or like just people in general. Most people say that they're like, "I'm sorry, I'm bad at pronouncing names." She is the worst <laughs> at pronouncing names. Like, give us an example. <laughs> oh God, uh, let me think. Um, I don't know if I can think of one. Um. I don't know. It's mostly Asian names. You know, <laughs> there's a pretty large Asian population just at universities in general, but yeah. especially in California. And just every single one. Um, geez, if I knew anyone's name in the class, I could probably give a good example, but I don't. <laughs> like, like, what does she do? Like, if it's like... Oh, man. Like... Let's say if it's like... Um, like, let's say if it was you, like Y-I-U, she'd be like, yeah. <laughs> like, something like that. It's like, a... it's that bad. Like, where it's like, you just... No. Shake your head. <laughs> put your hands. Put your heads in your hands. Yeah. Shake your head. Or like you know the last name Win, like N G Y U E N. I just like I yeah. Okay. It's pronounced Win. I'm just like shudder to think how she would try to pronounce that. Wine. Niggy like, <laughs> Yuen. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh yeah. Oh. No. <laughs> um, it's it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So, um. Yeah, so everything's been going well. I got that information, which was awesome. So a little bit more knowledge in the world. Oh, one quick thing. This is really quick, okay? Um, so you know when people research things and, you know, like, it's like, okay, there's some of those that are good and some of those that are bad. Like, I just, I just shudder at some of the things. Because I had to do this, like, one hour. I had to go to a like a thing part from a program and do like a luncheon and so like some people were like researching some awesome things and so this one person was researching like film or something like this and so the person was looking at it and she's like yeah i want to know like i want to do like a documentary film and like like i want to know like by doing this research i want to like change like the nigerian like this this the film industry in nigeria and I was like, okay. who the, who cares? I don't, it's like, what? Uh, hopefully this person doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> I I'll edit that part out. Um, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, it's just like, uh, it's like, I hope, I hope it changes the world. I hope. I just, I hope you're not wasting your life. <laughs> yeah, some people have interesting goals. Like, I'm glad that people, I'm glad there are so many diverse goals. Yes. Like, for multiple reasons. First of all, it's nice to have less competition. <laughs> yes. Going for a specific goal. But also, you know, there used to be someone out there who wants to do that thing that'll help people that I don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think we talked about it before where I'm like, I hate programming. I cannot stand it. I've tried multiple times. I've tried to learn multiple different languages. Mm-hmm. And every single one bores me to tears. It is, like, just uh, awful. Mm-hmm. 
but you know, there's a lot of people out there who absolutely love programming and I'm glad they do because things are a lot better <laughs> thanks to them. <laughs> yeah. So no, hopefully I'm hoping that what she, what she's doing, like literally, hopefully she like, in my, in my own mind, I'm very much like a, I, I, I like, it's why I think everyone thinks about it like their own. So like everything else, everyone else is doing is dumb. And what I'm doing is smart. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I might be projecting that a bit. I think you're projecting that quite a bit. I'm projecting that a lot, actually. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm a selfish bastard. I know I am. Um, That's okay. Um, but, you know, hope, and I'm just joking around, but hopefully she actually, hopefully what she's doing does change the world we live in. And I think every little bit of knowledge hopefully changes the world. Um, and hopefully we don't, like, no one, we just do all this work and, like, everyone forgets that we put all the work in. What I think is a, I think that's a part of the thing when you're uh, someone who's an uh, academic where you do all this work, you write an awesome book, but like no one reads it. Mm-hmm. So like I don't know, I feel like you just be an awesome person. You hopefully you produce the thing in an interesting light, and hopefully it makes it maybe it might not make the like I said in the podcast, like whatever you do might not make like the direct change, but you might influence the person who's going to change it. I might I think mm-hmm. I've, I've 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 that's a quote from somebody. I forgot was it. I, there's an actual quote. I forget the person is, but I got it from Logic, who's a rapper, who got it from somebody else. I'll have to find that quote. But okay. <laughs> um. But yeah, I know it's a, I know it's a very well known quote. I actually I actually really do believe in that. So I don't know for myself. Like I don't know if my thing's gonna ever change the world or whatever I do, but hopefully I influence the person who's gonna make the change. That's my thing. Mm, gotcha. So yeah, it's kind of funny. There's this show. It's um it's a comedy on Netflix. Um, it's called I think The Happy Place. Um, the premise is just like um. These people die and they're in heaven, basically. But it's like super selective. Um, anyway, one of the characters is like he's a philosophy professor for his entire life, and he like his greatest thing that he did in his life is he wrote this giant book, and it's like the person who's in charge of the the city, this section of heaven, basically, um, is like, yeah, I tried to read that. Um, like he's like, I literally know everything. And it took me several days to try to get through the first chapter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, it's too dense. It's terrible. You need to work on it. You need to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, not even that. He says, you should never work on it again. It's so <laughs> terrible. Brilliant. And the guy's like, but it's the thing that I worked on for my entire life. He's like, yeah, no, it's terrible. You need to find a new hobby. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, uh, this is the last thing I'm going to say. But um, mm-hmm. uh, I, have a, we, I have somebody I know in the library, and he was telling me about a bunch of stories of like, people who've come to library and to put their dissertations in. Um, and so I guess this one guy, he, um, he wrote his dissertation, right? But like, it was like weird. Like he had it, like it, he gave it to like librarians there. And like the guy had like, it was like, it looked like a, like a, like an elementary school person had done it. Like there was like things glued in, like things were like coming oh, out. Okay. It's just like, what the heck? And I guess it sucks because, like, you put all that work in and then, like, it's shitty. Like, everyone else thinks it's shitty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully, I mean, I, I don't want to be, like, negative on that person. Like, I was just kind of joking around, so don't take it seriously. Um, if you, a person who, I don't know your name, but you probably, I don't know, whatever. Probably not going to see this podcast. Um, but, no, hopefully, I, hopefully, hopefully we're all changing the world in a positive way. It's better than, like, doing drugs and, like, messing people's lives up. So I guess we're all doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> Went dark there. Went dark there for a little bit. Uh, 
yeah, that's kind of all I got. Ben, is that what you got? Anything else you want to say? Closing comments? Uh, Questions from the last podcast uh, that you that, that were raised if you finished it or not? Uh, <laughs> no, I think I'm okay. Okay, sweet. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast. You guys enjoyed our ramblings. I feel like we're getting better and better at this as we do this, so it's pretty awesome. I'm going to try... I usually I usually say these promises and they usually don't work out. So I'm gonna try to get another friend on the podcast to do more stuff with me and Ben um, and get a different opinion in these conversations. Try be the keyword. Is it gonna work? Oh. <laughs> I'm not. I don't know. Usually when you say you try, I'll try. It usually doesn't work. I'm gonna try okay. and hopefully it works. Um, so hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it from us. And we'll see you guys. In the- I wonder what it's like. I know